a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Radio check. Loud and clear. KSL Sports and KSL Podcast present Mode Push, an American view of F1, starting now. And I'm stuck. He's making cut with his Honestly. I've gusted. I've absolutely gusted. I enjoyed this so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody, welcome on in. It's another edition of Mode Push, an American view of F1, the podcast brought to you by KSL Sports, KSL Podcasts. Alex Curie, Dan Jimenez, back in the studio again after months of suppositions and wondering and testing and uh, just trying to get by with memes, Dan, that just uh, make us excited <laughs> about racing. Here we are actually talking about uh, the first race of the season, first race in the books, and it's already freaking over. Here we are. And uh, I'm not going to play. I'm not going to play uh, the Red Bull One Two. I think the more interesting spot was this one, of course. Please welcome back to the Formula One podium for the 99th time, Fernando Alonso, who weaves across the line and celebrates a dream debut with Aston Martin. Alonso heading back to the rostrum, heading back to the podium, having provided us with some phenomenal overtakes along the way. There was. It was. Uh, I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn here, Dan, but uh, I did. You did call did a him, podium for. I Fernando. called a podium for Fernando, and I gave him that uh, double points boost. I think, however, that works. In oh, our fantasy oh, did league. you in the fantasy? Yeah, oh, yeah. nice, good so, choice. I think that was the only thing that kind of kept me middle of the pack because I think in, in in the fantasy league you and I are in are what seventeen teams or something along those lines or fifteen or something like that. Yeah, and uh, I only have one team that I put together, but I think I'm. I think I'm tied with I think I'm tied with either your Shaggin Wagon account or uh <laughs> the cost captain. I can't remember which one of yours but uh it was an interesting look cuz I was like, okay, I thought I was I thought I did amazing. The people who freaking were dogs for me today were K-Mag who I was like Yeah, Haas let me down boy, today especially on the fantasy after, side. Especially after Hulk gets into the Q3 and you're like, he's yeah. they got a quick car here, man. And they fell off the freaking planet today. So out of everything, though, we'll get into all of the stuff that kind of surrounded the, the the race. But I just wanted to get you right off the bat. We we don't talk about any of these things until we get right onto the air about it. So your first impressions of uh, race number one of the season. Man, uh, gracias por Fernando Alonso. Like, it was <laughs> like without Alonso, that would have been a pretty dry race. Uh it was he made it exciting. Like he had some legit green flag passes on Hamilton, on signs, on like 
it was great. Like he had a rough start to the race. Uh, it didn't help getting uh, clipped by his teammate and like turned three or four. Uh, but after things settled down right there, like he was the most exciting part of the race. And I think that uh, he, he's going to be a serious factor uh, going into the next race at Jetta and through the first part of the season, season, at least like, I think everyone is caught off guard with how quick they are. And Alonzo is just on it. Like, I was just loved his attitude today. He was super like chipper and excited on, on the radio. And then afterwards in the podium, like he's, he's, he's at an all time Stoke level. So I thought that was great. Uh, aside from that, it was a lot of similar storylines to the end of last year, just max mm-hmm. running away with it, like half a second to a second, a lap uh, to get going. Charles having his engine troubles. It just felt like a replay of the end of last season. Uh, but Fernando made it pretty exciting. Do you think, I mean, Checo was no slouch, but when you're in the same equipment and you finish, uh, I, I think that the final was, uh, you know, somewhere in the double digit. He's uh, 12 seconds behind Max, yeah. yeah. I mean, is there a moment where you're like, I am super disappointed in myself? I mean, because second place is nothing to sneeze at, but at the same time, like, that's the same equipment and this guy everybody must be looking around and going, well, Checo, it's because you have an amazing car and you're 12 seconds off of the world champ. And, and we all know Max is good, but but we know Checo's good too. So I don't get how there's such a big disparity. Is that just how good Max is as a racer compared to everybody else along with the equipment? Yeah, I, I do think it's that. Max is the best driver on the grid and the best car. And you combine those two factors and he just runs away with it. I he, Max got into clean air early on and you know was probably able to manage his tires. Sergio had a poor start lost the position of Charles, like trying to defend on, uh, uh, Carlos that came up on the right side on the start. Oh, that was, it was a pretty good start by both of the Ferraris. Um, I thought both of the Ferraris were going to get past Checo there, but, um, he held off signs and, you know, without the Ferrari failure on, on Charles Leclerc, uh, Leclerc's car, then, you know, he would have finished third. So I don't, Sergio's quick, but man, Max is, he's just at another level. Uh, Let's talk about it. Let's just get right straight into this thing. The absolute dog of the day. Let's go two things. So we'll go, <laughs> who sucked as a driver today? Who sucked as a constructor today? Uh, where do you want to start? Let's start with your who sucked with the drivers. Uh, oh, man. Ocon. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. I mean, just, I mean, one penalty after another. It yep. was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, that like Ocon was pretty terrible. Um, and then on the, uh, manufacturer side, uh, I don't think anybody had a worse day than McLaren. No. They just were uh, well, really so bad. That, so there's a reliability thing in there too, right? Cause I don't know yeah. what was the, I think Lando came in and had to have something done with his, uh, yeah. Pneumatics. Yeah. Pneumatics. So, and, and that's yeah, on top so of, uh, he, Oscar Piastri with his most disastrous start to being an F1 possible is, getting into the pits and your car just i don't know like his battery yeah, died blue, his, blue screen of death on a steering wheel and just <laughs> i think it was I, I think it was the alternator recover. it was an alternator issue probably but you know like right, they, yeah. they were they like, said it was a, a, a um uh, engine harness so something deep down in the electronics of the car that was yeah. causing the issue so when they changed up the steering wheel which why why change a steering wheel out on a car that seems kind of weird that's where the computer lives on the car is inside of the steering wheel. So if you're having electronics or computer software issues, then the way to address it is to switch out to a backup steering wheel. And that didn't help. So it was more of kind of fundamental with the hardware of the, of the car than the software. Uh, my dog of the day 
driver-wise, because I think that, you know, uh, Lando is stuck in the thing that he has. You know what I mean? Like, ugh. Mm-hmm. He just is – I know that he's disappointed. He's been he's been pissed the entire, like, testing. And and then uh, Piastri, you know, you, you retire the car, that's one thing. Um, Nico Hulkenberg, for all the things that he was supposed to be doing, maybe I shouldn't go too hard on Hulk just because it's, it's he's back in F1 again. And, and I think he's a, a really, really good driver. And I think that that, that Haas team could be really good. Um, but I think that he, starting in 10th and then just finding it, like, just – not finding any pace and just falling down, falling down, falling down. And, and, yeah. uh, you know, it was, uh, it was a little bit wild that he was so bad. Uh, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Alpine. I know that, I know that Pierre Gasly came back and got some, uh, and got some points, but I, I think that everybody was expecting those guys to be a little bit more buttoned up. And the, it wasn't that the pace needed to be so good, but, but yeah, it just seemed like a real, I mean, Gasly was in twentieth for a good chunk of the race. I felt like uh, he was yeah. just—he was back there. He couldn't—he couldn't, he couldn't uh, dig his way back out of the back of the grid. Um, that, from a constructor's side of thing, I think that Alpine probably was a uh, a letdown in that sense. I'm going to go with, but let's do our let's do the guys that surprise us the most, maybe, and not the MVPs of the day, but guys that surprised me the most. I thought Logan Sargent had a really, really good first day. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. He, he was uh, consistently uh, running highest of all the uh, rookies. He just stayed out of trouble. I didn't ever see any like any warnings pop up from um, from the race stewards on him exceeding track track limits, which was happening with a lot of other guys. And he battled. He was battling with Yuki and battled with uh, Alex. And uh, and then in qualifying too, he he missed out on you know he got uh, booted out in Q1, but he ran the same exact time as Lando. And so, you know, he effectively ran a f- the 15th fastest time. And so I'm excited for Logan. I, th- I thought that was great. You couldn't ask for a better uh, rookie debut than, than uh, what he got. Who was most embarrassed today? Either constructor or driver, mm. either one of those. I've got one in mind for sure. <laughs> Gosh, my mind keeps coming back to McLaren. But I think your Alpine observation, I think on the whole for the weekend, Alpine just really underperformed from qualifying to to the race and then, uh, I, Pierre, I think had a, a monster heroic effort to pull that yeah. thing from 20th to ninth. to but get some points. I want to hear, I want to hear your dog. Okay. Uh, who's, who's embarrassed. I'm going to who, go. Who's our embarrassment. Here's embarrassing. It's not really because they're so, because they're third in the constructors championship so far this year, but Mercedes uh, is the works team. And when the customer team rolls up and passes you like that, Toto must be on another planet of embarrassment, right? Because this is a guy who mm-hmm. only expects this level of of commitment, this level of of performance. I mean, uh, the the thing that I heard this weekend was that even uh, before they got to uh, the race day, it was that Mercedes was saying, "Hey," that he told his lead engineers, "You need to go back to square one, back at the factory. We're going to get this thing going this year." over here but you guys better start to develop a new car that can actually make us competitive because fifth and seventh today and being beaten by our customer team aston martin why don't we make these gains this should be us uh and ferrari equally had kind of a a a bad day except for you know charles probably should have finished uh, second or third himself but um it was you know i think that mercedes to see lewis getting passed to to have somebody all over the back of george all day like that is not there is something going on and Mercedes must just be it, it because this, this this has everything dialed up to be a really long year for uh the AMG team. 
Yeah, there was a really surprising quote that I'll have to paraphrase, but it's something from Toto where he said, you know, we came into this year still like sticking to our old design philosophy and it, it's obvious that it's wrong and we got to start over. Like that is crazy after uh, race one saying we're off on uh, a, the completely wrong foot. And so if I'm Toto, I'm looking at my engineering team and be like, if if the next version of this car does not look like the Red Bull and the Aston Martin, like you better have some really good, you know, data to back up why not. Yeah. Because there's two cars that have the same exact like side pod profile and they're running in the front. And we have this odd duck that everybody's making fun of and we suck. So you must be some genius if you think that you're no better than Red Bull and, and Aston Martin right now that empirically are just like it's the fastest car. So I actually, you know, I saw another, I, I was listening to like, a, I think a quote that um, somebody from the Aston Martin team actually brought up because they were asking about this very thing. They said, you know, when they showed up again and they had their same, uh, you know, the philosophy that they had with the side pods and everyone went, what's, so what's going on here? Why didn't you change it? And the idea was if they had to start over again, I, I think that the philosophy was they were going to have to start from somewhere so completely different that it would actually be against something they'd be comparing themselves against something that they didn't have data on. And so that mm-hmm. was like, they have to have this, like uh, this comparison is just like, okay, you have one a and one B, which one do you take? And they took one a and one B probably might've been a, a better option. Now that you look at it and you go, yeah, we're still slower than, you know, they're, they're likely, I mean, the reality is, is that Ferrari is, is going to be the second best team. Maybe, maybe even Aston Martin, but like Ferrari's the fourth best team right now in F1, and that is a freaking, Mercedes. Or sorry, yeah. yeah, Mercedes is the fourth best team in uh, in F1 right now, and that's freaking wild. Yeah, it's crazy after how many years of dominance, seven, eight years of dominance, uh, to see them in fourth is crazy. And I think it's going to make for a really competitive midfield. Like I don't know what's going to happen for the number one spot. Max is likely going to. I mean, George Russell after the race said that Red Bull is going to win every race this season. Uh. I mean, like, come on, man, don't say that. <laughs> but um, that's how you lower even if your they do. Like, I think that it's going to be really uh, fun and competitive for yeah. um, for the rest. Uh, and I think like all that's like that's like something about F one that's different than other sports is. Really, in other sports, we only really care who's, who wins the Super Bowl. And like a few years later, you can't even remember who they played against. Like, it's only about who wins the championship. And I think in F1, that's like where you finish pays different. And what, yeah. you know, where you finish will fund development for the next year. And so, the like where everybody finishes second through 10th really matters still. So, that's, that's part of being an F1 fan that like you kind of have to get used to is like it's not all about um, who just finishes first. So, how do they pitch that to? Fernando, because, you know, he came back from uh, the summer break, the silly season, right? And he, and he, he was decided. Yeah, I got, yep, yeah, sorry. See you guys later. I'm going to, I'm going to Aston Martin. But we were all like, dude, what? Alpine has way better pace right now. They seem to have their stuff together. Uh, is it just because you have some of this butting head stuff going on? What did they show him at Aston Martin? Do they, are they able to show him some like, uh, you know, some sim stuff to go, this is what we're looking at next year. And this is what we're likely going to be doing. And they could tell him a version of them being in second or third in the fight and him winning a handful of races. Cause that, I mean, after this weekend and even really going into qualifying, everybody knew that Aston Martin was probably the second fastest team on the grid. 
Yeah, he's he knew something the rest of us didn't because he seemed pretty confident in his decision when the rest of us exactly were thinking like, man, you're leaving Alpine for Aston Martin. Are you crazy? You know, they could have shown him like, hey, our design philosophy for next year's cars is just going to be mimic the Red Bull. And uh, and Alonzo might have been, okay, hey, great. Like, let's simplify things. We're just going to like R&D stands for rob and duplicate in racing. (laughs) And you just like, okay, let's just rob and duplicate that design as much as we can within the rules and, you know, go for it. And so I, who knows, we might find out more as we get into the season, exactly what they did other than just like tell him that and show him a bunch of money. But uh, he definitely made the choice that the rest of us were questioning and it's, turning out for him so far i think lance stroll deserves a lot of credit yes too. i was I think, just about to bring that up i mean my the dude like broke it both of his wrists got pins and then like i don't know how eight days later just drove a full f1 race uh and or grand prix and finished sixth like i mean i think that's uh i we like to tease lance a lot and i mean he's you know daddy's boy just you know get given <laughs> gifted the an f1 seat i mean we're all jealous right we all wish that you know we had we had that chance <laughs> in life dad, but yeah. i mean i think you got to give credit where credit is due and i think uh sixth alone would have been impressive but doing it with pins in his wrists i think is even more i think speaks to that he is a true racer and has the mentality to go out and win. I am so disappointed in you, Dan. You fell for all <laughs> of the PR. You fell for the whole machine that Aston Martin was doing. It's like this this became part his, of the plan. This became his Jordan's flu game. Oh, my wrist. <laughs> oh, they got pins in it. And then and then I watched this whole like back and forth this this week on uh, or uh, today on the discussion because he got driver of the day. And Alonzo comes over in the garage and says, you're my effing hero, right? So Mm -hmm. you have this thing where the guy who was, like, heroic himself today rolls up and he hugs Lance. And, like, you know, the whole thing with Fernando is, is he a good teammate? And most of the time the answer is no. But, like, he had this moment. Aston Martin ticked all the boxes of, like, it's pretty easy. When you had – this was like what happened with Mercedes. When they were one and two every freaking race – and they were a lap up on the majority of uh, the field. The third and fourth place, and, and then everything down to even just the single points that are awarded, we get we get kind of obsessed with because we stopped thinking about Max after about uh, lap 30. And so you get this storyline of Fernando, you get the storyline of Lance, and he split the freaking Mercedes today. you know. Mm-hmm. And you have to be, speaking of guys who are runner-up for my most embarrassed is probably – uh, if we're talking about Mercedes, is George Russell, who really, I mean, if there would have been another lap too, I think Valtteri would have gotten him. Valtteri was back and forth with uh, Russell. How freaking hilarious would that have been with the Alpha, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, climbing all over and then stealing one of those from? And you're going to see it. I mean, uh, I was I was shocked today to see that. But Stroll, he gets uh, he got the driver of the day. They get the PR win for the weekend on top of the fact that they're second in the constructors' uh, standings. So here are the, what the points look like from today. Max, uh, did he end up getting fastest lap too? Are we still doing that? No, uh, no. Uh, Joaquin, you got no. fastest lap. He came in pitted on the last lap, and he got fastest lap, and he finished 16th. Yeah, so he doesn't say, get a point because he's not in the top ten. Yeah, so he doesn't get the. But you know what? That's a that's a nice little uh, steal one away from the, the the front end. So your points go like this. Uh, your podium was Max and Checo and, of course, uh, Nando. And then Carlos Sainz in a fourth place. Quiet day for Ferrari with the uh, DNF on uh, on Charles. Uh, Lewis was fifth. Stroll sixth. Russell seventh. Botas eighth. 
Pierre Gasly ninth, and then uh, Alex Albon stealing some points uh, for Williams. It puts them firmly in the uh, seventh place for the uh, – they're this year's Haas. Remember when they had that uh, mm-hmm. you know opening race last year where they were suddenly like in that uh, – they were planted firmly in the midfield and then fell off. I was actually really surprised uh, – well, not surprised necessarily as much as I was glad that Williams is is crawling their way back into not from the very, very, very bottom. I, I still saw a lot of people saying – uh, their performance is going to still put them probably in that uh, ninth or tenth place in the constructors. But I, I love that they that both guys Albon and Logan Sargent coming in twelfth had a, a a mega weekend. I think for him, so I was glad to see that Williams isn't uh, you know everybody's uh, whipping child again. So uh, yeah, amazing, yeah, amazing start was, for all those. It was guys. during qualifying. I think that um, Nico Rosberg was uh, commenting on the new team principal. Uh, I think Vols, James, James Vols, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. I think is his name, uh, came over from Mercedes and worked with Nico when he was at Mercedes. And just think that, you know, one of these rising stars in the sport and uh, just uh, a great strategist and leader. And so uh, good for him for getting uh, points on his on his debut as a technical director as well or team principal. You're the track expert, so let me uh, let me throw some uh, let me throw something out there and kind of get you <laughs> a little bit uh having to do some some late night thinking here as we get as we get we're going to drop this thing and you're going to get it on a monday morning but we're uh we're late at work here on a sunday so what is the difference between this track and the next week at saudi what does that work out to like i know some tracks have different personalities and these things uh could Mm -hmm. benefit some people in some areas and then the people who you saw perform this week might fall off next what are we looking for next week then yeah, so Jeddah is a very different track than uh, than we were just at in Bahrain. Jeddah is a relatively new track. 2021 was its first Grand Prix. And so I guess this will be our third time racing there. And Jeddah is a low downforce track in a, because they've got these super long straights or like these kind of winding, winding straight S's. But it's a lot of uh, full throttle, I think, of any... Uh, of any track on, on the F1 circuit, you're at hundred percent throttle the most at Jeddah. Hmm. And so it's going to be a lot about straight line speed where we were just at in Bahrain is more of a high downforce track. And so people were running bigger wings and it was really, uh, played into Red Bull's hands. I think Jeddah is going to play more into the hands of folks who, um, have optimized for straight line speed. So Ferrari Williams also is, for the last couple of years has consistently been like the lowest drag car. So maybe Williams can, uh, can get an even better finish and hopefully both of them can finish in the points. So I'm excited for Jetta. It's, it's a different type of um, racetrack for sure. It's a city circuit, but uh, they've built in these really long straights uh, that I think uh, will make for exciting racing. So I, I think this, and Jetta's a little bit more hard. It's harder on the tires, isn't it? Doesn't it eat those tires up too as well? Isn't that kind of the, the idea or was that more today uh, that we saw in Bahrain? And Bahrain is is hard, definitely because of the heat, uh, and it's a bit of an older track. I think new tracks can be hard on tires because they haven't rubbered in, they haven't kind of been sanded down by by the tires, and so um, yeah, it can be it can be hard on the tires. But like you get a lot of um, straight line braking at Jeddah because it's these kind of think of it, it's like the shape of a not, not even a paperclip, but like a super skinny paperclip. Yeah. You've got these 180 degree turns on each end and then like a lot of straights in between. And so straight line braking is not as hard on the tires. When you've got like big, long sweeping corners, like at Bahrain or Silverstone, that's when it gets really hard on the tires. Cause you're putting just a lot of load on side to side on the tire throughout the lap. 
what happens? How does Max Verstappen not win the championship this year? Because we're we're race one out of uh, what twenty three this year, twenty two this year, and I think that a lot of people look at it, and you've already had a, a kajillion people crowning the guy the champ after race one and Red Bull far and away above everybody else. Are there enough places to upgrade through the season for some of these teams for someone to be able to catch Red Bull? I mean, everyone has more wind tunnel development time than Red Bull. So theoretically, everyone should be making more uh, gains throughout the year than, than Red Bull is. And, but it's, uh, unless it's a reliability issue that pops up that I'd be surprised that, you know, that would be something that Red Bull would have to fight. Uh, I mean, if Alonzo can get a pole and a win, I think if he can get a pole, he can win. I think he can stay in front of Max. He's quick enough. What's and the, if he gets a, uh, what's and, the if he gets a win, I think he uh, I think he can get a Max's head. I, I think Alonzo is the kind ah. of guy that could probably get maybe start to take away a little bit of his uh, confidence. And if 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 you can break Max's confidence, maybe then he starts to make mistakes. I'm going to set the over-under on uh, wins on the season for Fernando at two and a half. Are you going over or under? I'm going to go under on two and a half. Mm. Does he win one? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. But, but is it because I think it's one rainy? or one or two. Is it because yeah. it's rainy? <laughs> so you're not going to give him three, but two, you're kind of that, that hook uh, got you on there. Okay. See, and mm-hmm. I think I think that's probably about the limit. See, I should be handicapping this stuff in Vegas, man. Yeah. Speaking of Vegas, somebody brought up uh, how much it is for the weekend. I think they tweeted it both you and I, and they brought up an interesting point, and it made me say, you know what? Maybe this is something we have to consider with Dan. It was like three day. The cheapest three day pass at Vegas is about seventeen hundred bucks. Okay, mm. so either you and I just go, and it's a and it's a Saturday Sunday deal, and that's not talking. I mean, that's with uh, you know. Staying with a cousin in Henderson, right? <laughs> like, and then trying to figure out going to the track. But then they brought up, they go, yeah. But if you if we flew to Suzuka and did a full weekend, the whole weekend would actually be cheaper than going to Vegas at all. Yeah, I had another friend who lives in Amsterdam uh, text me and who went with us to the Singapore race, and he was like, "Hey, man, flights and tickets are cheaper to go to Jeddah than to go to uh, Las Vegas." <laughs> He's like, "Do you want to go to Jeddah?" I'm like, that... "I got to work. I can't really take a. I don't think you take a week to go to Saudi Arabia." See, that's a part. But I, yeah, these foreign these foreign races are a lot cheaper than than the domestic ones. Well, and a ticket's not. I mean, I think it's because it's hard to get people that are far flung. Vegas is going to have a kajillion people who show up who don't even uh, – I'm going to get snooty now because I've been a fan of F1 mm-hmm. for five minutes. Uh, a bunch of people who don't really care about the race. They just want to be there to be seen, you know, your uh, your shacks, yeah. et cetera. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of – Dan, this is – Dan, there's homework. You ready? Find yeah. the cheapest situation for us. I mean, and if it makes us go into Mexico City, if it's uh, – if it, I know you went to Singapore last year, which, by the way, when they had – Singapore was featured for like seven and a half seconds of uh, – of uh, of the uh, drive to survive season, and I'm like pausing it, and I'm like looking for, I'm like I'm like that meme of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, like pointing to the screen, going, "Oh, hey, I think hey, I there, see Dan there, right there. there." Yeah, is that no, him? I saw that guy? too. I was like, I was like, I was sitting in turn one. I was like, I'm somewhere in this frame for a split second, but uh, a lot of good memories from that uh, weekend. It was it was so great. All right, well, that's your. Uh, you've got to put together the spreadsheet and uh, and figure out. The most cost effective. Yeah, because look, if we're headed to if we're headed to Canada, fine, I'm all for it. I would ideally I'd love to use my passport, but 
you know, it, yeah. it, it, these American races are looking more and more unlikely. Even Austin, everyone's just like, well, you sit for about six hours in traffic that uh, that race day, mm-hmm. three to get there, three to get out. And I'm like, what? But I know because you come from the land of uh, NASCAR, that's like old hat for you. Like just sitting around oh my trying to get out of yeah. those stadiums. Just parking out in a random field somewhere. Oh and gosh. yeah, that that is quite the experience of seeing uh, I, folks stumble their way back to their cars, just sunburned to you know what. <laughs> I will a- say that my very first race weekend experience was at Bristol, which is a... Uh, it's like a coliseum. If you've ever like seen cars, like I think the opening scene of cars is kind of like uh, supposed to be the Bristol racetrack seats, like 120 some odd thousand people. But uh, second, the race was over. The guys grabbing me by the collar saying, we got to go. We jump in uh, uh, some, like we run, like we literally sprinted out of the stadium <laughs> to our car to beat the traffic, to get to the plane. And uh, we were in a 15 passenger van and the guy driving, uh, who's like on the pit crew reversed, like max speed, reverse J turn handbrake <laughs> in a 15 passenger van. And I'm in the back holding on oh. and like in through a crowd of people, J turn 180, And then he's just speeding down. And I was like, man, this is, this is different. Yeah. Well, it is different. And that's why we want to enjoy it. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like, but you know, there was that scene where Pierre Gasly was like, this is the best part of F1, the police escorts. I was like, yeah, All right. <laughs> the, the people, people forget how ridiculous it is to get these races. Okay, that's your first one in the books. We will have a, a race preview coming up for you as well. Dan Jimenez. Dan, good first week in the books, man. Thanks for hanging out today again. Yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's go to Jeddah. <laughs> let's keep it going. Uh, for Dan, I'm Alex. We'll catch you next week. Share the podcast. Tell your friends. Teach a neighbor about F1, and we'll get this thing going even further. We'll see you next time, everybody. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.